Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition, episode 79 of the Lab FC Hitting Podcast. Talking today, top 10 Major League Baseball offensive free agents. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. Please welcome back. Freshly evaluated, successful business owner, former coach, friend, and co-host, feeling all better, Jake Epstein. What up, Epper Pepper? Man, I think you're feeling better. I feel great. I always feel great. Intro, I'm, I'm, I don't get sick. I, I have a yeah. steel immune system. I never get sick. COVID stays yeah, away no. from me. Yes. Knock on wood. I don't need to knock on wood. It comes towards to me back. and then Thanks. makes a U-turn away from me because I have a steel immune system. Knock on wood. I'll say this. Yeah. I haven't been sick in three years, so do with yeah, that. That was the last time I got sick, three years. <laughs> it was like exactly three years. COVID's coming to knock out the entire show. <laughs> yeah. not saying you did or didn't have COVID. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, no, we don't know what uh, we don't know what you had. We don't know don't, what we don't know what it was, but no. it wasn't good. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks to the showmo there for filling in. She did a great job. I watched that, you know, over the last uh, last week or so. Watched that episode, so pretty cool to get a, a sneak peek into you know the life of a power five, you know, softball player. Um, so so uh, thanks there for for bailing us out last week. So um, yeah. I'm excited yeah, I'm, I'm about today, you, though, I'm, and all the. I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, Cassidy from last week. Uh, thanks to Cassidy for filling in last week for you, and of course, thanks to our previous guest hosts as well, Dominic Robinson and um, uh, Maddie Young as yeah. well. About a year or so ago, we do appreciate all those uh, guest hosts. But Cassidy last week told me something, and I'm, I'm I have to bring it up to you this week. She didn't work out like I did in the basement, and she told me. I don't know if she brought this up to you yet. She wants to work out. In your dad's basement, like I did. Well, that basement's that basement's gone. Oh, okay. well, tell her that <laughs> yeah, because she's moved. she's gonna come after you for it. Is she really? That's funny. Yeah, no, they were at the the cage the the cage that that we had. I don't know. I thought did her sister? No, I think it was both. I remember I was supposed to work with both of them, and mm-hmm. then they went. Did she tell you this story too, where she broke her arm? They like went yeah skiing. briefly. Yeah. She she broke herself mm-hmm. so that I I it got pushed back like a year. Yeah, See, can't go skiing. She did hit two jacks the other day in live uh, inner squads though, so I think the podcast was good luck. She did okay, very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. She's flexing for you. I'm sure I'm she she's flexing for the lab Epstein hitting podcast. She is making us look good. Yeah. Um, before we get into the top 10 uh, MLB free agents, um, we have a bunch of guys. Obviously, we're going to touch on this winner, Javi Baez, next week. And we'll explain why we're doing him next week instead of a catcher, because our catcher we were supposed to do retired. But that's not the only reason. Um, I want to get into the MVP awards uh, with Shohei and, and Bryce Hart. You know, I uh, did predict Bryce, another prediction I'm right on. Um You texted me before the show started and said, you're the best. And I sent back an emoji with the, you know, the, uh, whatever saying, I know, I know I am the best, I am the best, but, and this is another reason because I picked Bryce Harper to win the MVP. I said, Freddie Freeman should have won it, but nevertheless, Bryce Harper is your MVP and show. So is Shohei Otani, Mm -hmm. but I think we're going down and see, I don't blame Bryce winning. He had a great second half and I'm not, you know, great, great, um, advocate for baseball great one of the great faces of the game um even though there are some inconsistencies at time in his time in his career but he's marketable no doubt about that and he deserves yeah. i'm not saying he didn't deserve he's, the MVP, he's, but yeah, here's what like here's him. my only point 
it's hard. We're going down a slippery slope now because the three top three guys, Juan Soto, Fernando, Tatis Jr., and then Bryce Harper, their teams didn't make the postseason. I know how valuable they are and how valuable the numbers say they are. And without Bryce Harper, the Phillies wouldn't have been anywhere close to possibly making the postseason. But the Braves wouldn't have been in the postseason either without Freddie Freeman. They wouldn't have probably wouldn't have won the World Series. Well, they wouldn't have won the World Series and probably wouldn't have been in the postseason without Freeman. But we're going down that slippery slope of, uh, I don't know, giving awards out to guys on teams that simply did not win enough. And I know baseball is a very individual game and I'm splitting hairs here, but mm, yeah, I agree sure. with you. But same thing with Otani, by the way, I'm not just saying this. For uh, Bryce same Harper. thing I'm with not, Otani. I'm not sure that Otani should have won. I think Vlad should have won quite honestly, because the blue Jays were yeah, far too. superior to the angels and closer to making the postseason. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree with the Otani. I mean, what Otani did was amazing and yeah. kind of mind blowing. And um, so I get it. Was he the most valuable person? to his team mm-hmm. far and away, you know? So, you know, without Otani, you probably have what, 10 less wins, 15 less wins on a team that's already losing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with him on the bump and, and, and hitting home runs. Vlad, same thing. Like you take him out of that lineup. It's still a good lineup. It's still a good team, yeah. but he really carried, you know, that season. So that was a tough one. The, the American League one was tough for me, and, and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Vlad guy, so, and the Angels, um, you know, forced me into early retirement, so, you know, apparently I take that out on Otani for some reason now, mm-hmm. but I, I just, uh, I, I don't know, that one's tough, but I do get what Otani said. That's an amazing, amazing feat, so I'm kind of okay with that. The Bryce Harper thing, I'll tell you what, you take him out of that lineup the second half, and I he agree. played every game. Mm-hmm. And he stuck his nose in there every game. And, I mean, they would have been, you know, at least 10 games worse just in the second half. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not a writer. I I agree that it would be nice if you made the playoffs. But all these awards are voted on or or all those stats. I don't know if they're voted on before. Yeah, I think they're voted on before the playoffs even start, right? And then they're Uh, released later. So the postseason has no reflect on any of these awards. I, that's another thing too that it's it's the issue I have with the Hall of Fame. I don't think the media should have the full autonomy on voting for these awards. I think that a lot of other people should be brought in, executives, announcers, uh, scouts. I think that a lot more people should be able to vote on the MVP award and the Cy Young award for each league, rather than than just thirty media members. I, I think that having yeah. full giving them full autonomy, again, we go down that that slippery slope. I think we have to leave it to to the quote-unquote baseball experts they're experts yeah. in writing and journalism that's fine but there's a lot there's yep. more baseball experts that should be able to vote on that award as well and i wanted to say the same thing for the cy young too with corbin burns i'm not saying he's not a great pitcher but he didn't have the amount of innings that zach wheeler had and i'm not sure he should have won the cy young is he cy young yeah. caliber certainly that i 100 agree with that but but looking at it statistically and taking out innings and saying that they don't matter and that's not so much the media members as much as it is maybe analytical departments right. um, for, for Zach Wheeler, not to win the Cy Young to me is, is another kind of a head scratcher, I guess. Good for Corbin Burns, but it's a head scratcher. Yeah. The Brewers deserved it. So that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. All right. Moving on. They got a lot of pull, you know, like Yankees, Dodgers, and then, you know, Brewers have right. that big market pull. Yeah. That's why Burns. No, I, I agree. I mean, pitchers throw less and less innings. I don't even know if we should have a Cy Young anymore. 
Like maybe we need to put an inning number. Well, we do have an ERA award, don't we? Oh, there's my pen. We do have yeah, an ERA like, award. You know, yeah. starters are throwing four to five innings. Yeah. So it's it's uh, I don't know. I think that might bounce back a little bit next year. I guess we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. With um, the free agent market. So, and that's our topic today. Top 10 Major League Baseball offensive free agents. Speaking of offense, hiring season is underway. Hitting coaches are being hired and are switching teams, et cetera, et cetera. We've discussed everything that is out there currently in regards to hitting and technology and methodology, et cetera. And we always do it every week. And we will circle back and continue to circle back until we get to episode 1000. 179. 20 more, 21 and... 21, 20 and a half more until 100. The lab turns 100. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, if you were, uh, we're, we're all over the place today. If you were an ML hitting, MLB hitting coach, uh, Major League Baseball hitting coach, how would you manage your players? I'm very curious about that because the title hitting coach and guys are being added to that as well, that role. There's Yankees are trying to hire three hitting coaches. Um, it's a different role than what it was when you were playing. And of course, when you're, when your dad was being coached up by Ted Williams. Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of teams are going to two. And th- I mean, we've, we've kind of had the assistant hitting coach in there for a while. The giants had two to three guys mm-hmm. managing it. I'm a big fan of the two to three, you know, three is three is good. Having one guy is a, you know, statistical guy. That's kind of the liaison maybe between the, the, the uh, analytical department, you know, that might be in the front office and then the, the, the hitting coaches themselves and then the hitting coaches can take that information and, and kind of figure out, you know, what they want to provide to the players. So, you know, as a, as a hitting coach, there's so much information now that you have to figure out what each and every player wants and each and, mm-hmm. each and every player needs because they're all different. And you may have somebody that wants a lot of information wants to know the percentage of fastballs wants to know the percentage of breaking balls. And then you have some players that don't want any of that because they'll get in their own head and they'll think the wrong way. Um, And then you have analytics, unfortunately, that they don't pertain to that exact team. So that's, you know, if I was one of the filters going between the the analytical department and, and the player, right? Like Mm -hmm. you got all these information, and then the end line is that player. And then, you know, you have people that it goes through. If I was one of those, those filters, um, it, it doesn't mean, you know, what a pitcher does his last two or three starts doesn't mean he's going to do the same thing against your team. Right. Unless, of course, his two or three starts came when you were at their park, you know, and you faced them. But every team has a different identity. Some teams, uh, like the Rockies, are notorious for getting a lot of breaking balls because they're really good, or they, they were really good fastball hitters, right? But not every team is a fastball-hitting team. Some guys are really good at hitting breaking balls, too. They sit on breaking balls. and they're, So you can't take those two starts, oh, he's throwing 62%, you know, fastballs and, you know, whatever, 20% change-ups and, you know, 18 or whatever's left over, you know, percent sliders that doesn't mean he's going to do the same thing against you right? because you have different players. Maybe you have better hitters. Maybe you have worse hitters. Maybe you have hitters that, that don't hit those pitches or do hit those pitches better. So you can't just put all your money on. And unfortunately that's what happens. It's like, okay, this is our approach for the whole, whole team. We're going to attack this, this, and this. Well, that approach may work for the two, 
you know, whatever, the three, four, and five hitters, mm-hmm. six hitters. But the other guys, that's going to be a different approach. So everyone, hitters are people. Hitters are human beings. Pitchers are human beings. They're not robots. They have to be treated individually. They have to have their own plan based on what they're good at. Yeah. Right? Like one guy might be a good breaking ball hitter. One guy might be a good fastball hitter. Why is that guy a good breaking ball hitter? Because he sees a lot of breaking balls, right? He's a power threat. Okay, mm-hmm. well, his, his plan and approach is going to be different, even though we might be facing you know, a, a certain pitcher that does the statistics and the analytics say he's going to do this. Well, he might not do that to every single player. So, so, um, so if you have three hitting coaches, like the Yankees, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. there's got to be a head, like kind of like an offensive coordinator in football. There's got to be a head hitting coach. Correct. I mean, there's has to be one yeah, that, that kind of takes precedence. So what are the, what are the pillars? What, what would be the pillars um, for that hitting coach, that main guy, um, that he, that he needs to express and teach what he wants his team's approach to be offensively. The identity as you spoke about. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm seeing co-hitting coaches, which, um, which to me doesn't make much, I don't, whatever, go ahead. Right. And that's, that's not putting people in, in line of, you know, you have an assistant, right. That makes sense. The assistant mm-hmm. does what the, the main hitting coach says, look, I want, I want to work on this, this, and this. So, um, you know, for me, the the head guy might not necessarily be the, you know, I like a mix of, and I, I actually provided this to a couple organizations. Um, anyway, I, li- I like a mix of, of, of experience, you know, of a guy that played in the big leagues, a guy that maybe, maybe was a pinch hitter, you know, maybe he was a real heady kind of, may not have been the greatest hitter, but he was a big leaguer and he sat on the bench a long time and he absorbed the game. And I mean, look at all of our managers that were catchers. Look at Boach, you know, look at Mike Sosha, um, look at Cash, um, look at uh, the guy in Chicago. Why can't I think of his name? Um, you know, the manager. We have so many catchers that are, that are big league managers, you know. Greg they, Dobbs, they just, there's one for you. What's that? Greg Dobbs would be a great hitting coach. Dobbs, right. Yeah. I mean, just somebody that has been there and they've experienced and they soaked up all this real information. So to have somebody like that on your hitting staff, to be able to talk in game with hitters, you know, and the mental side and, and, and maybe, you know, what the trend of the game is going, you know, he's getting a feel for this pitcher that's out on the mound and what he's trying to do that day, right? Because his stuff might not be perfect, or maybe it is perfect. So he's going to throw a sinker more. Or maybe he's not perfect, so he's throwing his breaking ball more. You know, that in-game feel is so important um, to have somebody like that. And then you have somebody that that um, can communicate really well with the players, mm-hmm. you know, and, and have a good relationship with the players and, and um, you know, talk about timing, you know, have a little bit of a mechanical background, but more of a rhythm and timing and figuring out, you know, when guys are starting to move. Are you late getting going? Are you late getting your foot down? is your rhythm a quarter of a second faster or slower than it normally is? You know, somebody that can spot check all of those different things that, that allow players to get into slumps, right? Sometimes we go into slumps because we're facing really good pitching and, and they, they're just good, right? And we're not, we're not getting good pitches to hit. So I'm one for my last 12. Okay, let's go through our 12 at bats and figure out how many pitches did you have to really hit you know, out of those 12 at bats, out of those, you know, 40 pitches or whatever you had, 
geez, you had three pitches that were really hittable. Okay. But you know, if we're not in a slump, we got, we're, we're getting, we're getting pitched up or geez, you took a lot of really good pitches. Okay. So now our approach is off or we're fouling off a lot of those pitches because we're a little late. Now let's go to timing and rhythm and see if there's an issue or you're fouling off pitches because your barrel's doing something. It doesn't. So, you know, having somebody that's really good at that. Um, and then uh, the, the last person would be, uh, you know, somebody that, like I said, can compile data, um, you know, from the front office and provide it to the, the two hitting coaches that are on staff that are really working with players on a daily basis. I think you provided there, but um, I'll ask anyway, what would be if you were the head offensive hitting coach, the head, uh, what do you want to call uh, head hitting coach, whatever number one, the you're number the one guy coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> what would, what would be your, your use that word um, in a good context there? What would be your blueprint um, for your team's offensive identity? Yeah, mine would be getting to know all of, all of my players really well, the ins and outs of, of what they, how they work, mm-hmm. what they like to work on, what they think about, and making sure that you don't give them information that contradicts what their natural tendencies are. And I think that's a big problem with players is they get out of their, their comfort level because so much information is forced into them. So, right. um, you know, I would be a guy that would be selecting um, or very, very selectful with the information that's coming, you know, out of the analytics department to the Mm -hmm. players. I think that's very important to figure out which player wants what, you know, so my blueprint would be learn the player. What are they good at? What are they not good at? Focus on what they are good at, create approaches based on that. Mm -hmm. Use the analytical information that comes down and, and how they pitched that player before, maybe not just that pitcher, but that team, Right. Every team has a certain way they want to pitch guys, um, regardless of pitcher. Now, obviously, if you have lefties and righties and, and velocity is different, but if you're facing a guy that throws pretty hard and, and he's a right handed player, you know, those four or five guys are, are going to you know, attack you very similarly. And you have to be aware of that. So, um, you know, that's that's my thing. It's not a blanket approach. You have to know you have to be able to create relationships with these hitters um, and these players that are working and then figure out from there once you know what they are. Um, you know, what's the best approach for each of them moving forward based on the information that's available and prepping them. You know, I'm a big fan of prepping them for what they're going to see. Okay. We're going to see, you know, this velocity, Um, you know, let's track this velocity. We don't or this spin rate or this slider. Let's figure out the tunnel for this. Doesn't mean we're taking swings off hundred mile an hour pitches, but maybe we're tracking hundred mile an hour pitches out of machines just to get us ready for what we're going to see in the game. So yeah. preparing the right way is also very important to me and, and the players. All right. Be sure to like, and subscribe to the show. Of course, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, and our YouTube page, the lab Epstein hitting podcast, new episodes and clips being uploaded pretty much every single day. Do you have any thoughts on the world series, by the way, kind of we're two weeks late on this, but that's okay. I'll ask anyway. Any thoughts? I like world series. I love Good. postseason baseball. Yeah. I'm glad the Braves won. I'm happy to see the Braves win. I'm really happy to see Snitker win. What a tremendous human being he is and the amount of people that he's touched and, and given jobs to. And, and I don't know, that was really cool to me. And then, uh, you know, to see Boris say that, you know, they shouldn't have won because, you know, the way baseball is and the fire sales. And that was a pretty, pretty cheap shot, in my opinion. Mm. Not sure any any GM from the Braves front office is going to go after any Boris player now. 
Well, that's a whole. We can get into that. It's a whole. Nother, that was a whole different. So that was a really. Thing. That was a bad, bad comment. But there needs to be a salary floor, I think, in baseball. Mm-hmm. I do think. I do think that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's it would open up possibilities, fun possibilities, possible work stoppage that you know is going to. Yeah, so that's why I said last week with with Cassidy on as our co-host, a guest yeah. co-host. Hey, you know what? There might be a work stoppage, so we might be delayed. So. We we could delay a little bit and in getting into our top ten free agents. Not a big deal. Yeah, it's going to be delayed. Um. So you're okay. So the Braves winning the World Series. I by the way, there's somebody on this show that picked them to win the World Series. I'm not going to say who though. You picked like eight teams to win, and I like not. maybe one of them won at the end. I did not. No, White no. Sox. You had the White Sox. Somewhere. I was wrong about them. I was wrong. I was completely wrong on the American League side. I wasn't wrong on the National League side. Okay. It's like it's like my Bo scouting report. I think he's gonna win a batting title. Just hand it out to everybody. It's like that Oprah meme where she just hands out money, you know, throws out money. To everybody, <laughs> everybody gets a batting title. Everybody. That's the say. That's just, that's the full safe proof on my my that's scouting right. reports. Batting title. Uh, batting title. Can't go. <laughs> can't go above that. You can't go below it. Or you could yeah. go below it. The only way is down. Yeah, um, so let's get into, uh, we have two listener questions. We'll get into our first one here. This came to us a couple of weeks ago, and it comes to us from loyal listener JJ. Um, sent to us via jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. JJ writes, Jim and Jake, WTF, Jim. It's Plymouth, Pennsylvania, and not Shawnee. I, JJ, I know. Okay, I know. I grew up in the Philly, Philly area. I know where Plymouth, Pennsylvania is. I've been there. Thank you. No rock, though. No, it's the Plymouth Shawnee Indians. I'm glad we, okay, good. We got that out of the way. JJ has a good, good uh, question though. Um, I apologize. I like for how JJ busts your, bust your balls every yeah, week. Well, now we know. I grew up, I, I, I kind of grew up in that, I in the Pennsylvania yeah. area, so I know. Um, I apologize for all the questions. This, this will be my last for a while. That's a shame. Um, Jim, you were right about Judge's swing. Uh, my point was Judge swung in 2016. Similarly, to how he swings now before teacher man got to him. Teacher man did not teach judges swing judge taught teacher man, the swing that teacher man now demonstrates on YouTube to the unsuspecting teacher man. It's a total clown show. (laughs) Okay. Um, My main question, perhaps my best is what would be an absolute of human movement science, not the absolutes of hitting, which you've already covered as it pertains to hitting. Um, but again, um, so I'll, I'll read that again. Uh, what would be the absolutes of human movement science as it pertains to hitting? This would give Jake a chance to geek out a bit. That's a great question. Gotcha. So thank you, JJ. Uh, looking forward to the mechanical breakdowns. And again, that's from JJ um, from um, wherever he's from. Uh, whatever. Jimbo podcast. 20, <laughs> Jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com. Loyal listener, JJ. Thank you. That is a great question. So again, one more time, the absolutes of human movement science as it pertains to hitting. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, my degree. I don't know if it's hanging anywhere. Probably not. Is from Cal state Fullerton, which, um, you know, it's Harvard, right. you know, Yale, Stanford, Rice, LaSalle, you know, Cal and Fullerton's like, you know, below the floor. Yeah. Actually it's a great school. Um, the, the best part about Fullerton is you had like working class teachers that were actually professionals. So my actually had the experience, teachers, field experience. Yeah. Total experience. Like yeah. he was a, he was a lawyer, like he was in it for businesses. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my marketing. And so it was really cool. So they had, it wasn't just a, you know, a professor that makes all this money and is just spewing information. They were, you know, real life people. So, but because of that, I'm not a kinesiology major. I'm not going to pretend that I know, um, you know, how every single muscle group works to, you know, activate energy. I will tell you that I've studied, you know, I don't know, countless hours of video and I just, did for next year's draft. So Jimbo, I already got a head start on next year's draft. But really? Yeah. I can't mm. share that of course, but no, we'll um, cover, we'll cover the draft next year. I've I'll have, at, I'll have my reports at, ready. Know, a, a good amount of players. It really, some of them very athletic, athletic moves that JJ is, uh, you know, talking about, I will say things that I see are, um, you can't launch your swing on, on one leg. You know, you, you can't, um, you know, you're, you have to have a weight shift. So whether you have a stride or not, um, you know, that's great. But I will say players that have a bigger weight shift, again, from their back foot to their front foot, and they turn that into rotational energy, they typically max out what they have. And that's all it is. You know, some people are athletic and some people aren't. So, you know, I could take two of my kids and, and have them perform these drills. And even though they supposedly have similar DNA, they're going to move at different speeds and they're not going to, you know, some are going to move faster and more athletically than others. And that's just kind of the way it is. So you can try to teach that, but I'll be quite honest with you here that most players that I look at 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 the higher levels, not young players that I teach, but, you know, players that are going to be professionals, you know, whether they're 16 year old um, or, or 14 to 16 year old international players, or they're, you know, 17 to 22 year old, uh, you know, uh, amateur uh, United States or Canadian Puerto Rican players. Um, they, they don't think about it. They just move, right? They play catch, they play catch and then they hit and they do that a lot and their body starts to self-organize and, and work the right way. Um, they're not taught to, you know, focus on this energy here, you know, make sure that your hip is here and your knee is here and your obliques are here and your staff. And that's is here because they're athletic, right? They, they are, they're able to, to they're, get... they're, they're athletic. Yeah. Um, if you take a player that's not athletic and you try to teach them athletic movements, mm-hmm. um, one by one, like the weight has to be exactly here. You have to be 24 degrees here. You have to, you know, have your shoulder here or your hips here. It's not, gonna, it's just, it's not going to work. You might make them better. They might be able to play when they're 10. But that player is not going to hit the ball when they're 15 or 16. They're not going to hit the ball, you know, 100 feet further than their body and their DNA and their genetic code is allowed to do. So, you know, my job as a player or I'm sorry, as a coach is to take a player and and kind of figure out, you know, what is your ceiling? Like what? I don't know where it is. So I'm going to give you moves to help you build in that athleticism to try to find it. But I have to do it in a way that this 12-year-old can understand. And that's the problem with what's going on. People trying to do all this stuff off a tee, you know, where you move here and you move here, or you're just using weights, you know, and you're trying to create explosive. I'm all about creating explosive moves, but it's not going to help you hit a baseball that's traveling from the pitcher's hand to you as a hitter, and it's moving. You know, we have to have some intangibles that allow us to get into position to hit. And if you're very stiff and robotic, then it, it really doesn't work. So, you know, our philosophy at the at the lab is is to maximize athleticism. Some players just move fast. We have a, a kid that's, you know, 180 pounds that hits the ball really, really far. And I have kids that are 220 pounds that don't hit the ball nearly as far. 
they just don't have that explosiveness. I wish I knew what it was. They're good athletes. Mm-hmm. They're good athletes. They can throw, they can catch, they can, they can hit a 90 mile an hour pitch. But why is it that some people have a little bit more explosiveness than others? I, I, you know, I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure there's a geeked out reason to figure out, but it's not. So, you know, young players get out and play, get out and throw. You know, I take my, my 11 year old and we go work out and I hit her ground balls. You know, I'm not like, okay, let's make sure your left foot works here. Your right foot, get your hands here. Why? Because it's creating, I tried that once. I'm like, okay, that doesn't work. I'm like, stand over here, be athletic. I'm going to hit a slow roller to you. Charge it in one bare hand or not barehanded, but you know, glove, just use your glove. Don't, don't get two hands on it. Like try to make, move this way, move that way. And she'll, she's clumsy, right? Like, you know, she's growing and sometimes she'll, her feet will cross and then we'll have a conversation about it. But if you teach before you let kids become athletic, it's very, very difficult. You have to let them kind of figure out what they do. And then when they get a little bit older, then you can really start, you know, working on footwork and fundamentals and maybe some, some different loads and, and um, gathering principles with the swing. So sorry, I, I kind of went off there. No, no, no. I, that great, great answer. I, I kind of can't wait now to have kids because when they're unathletic and they don't do things right, on the athletic fields or on the court or whatever, I'll just, you just blame the mother. Uh, yeah. That's right. that from his mother. That's what my that's dad that from her mother. <laughs> my dad to this day tells me, Oh, if you only had my genes, I know. Oh, my you did pretty. That's what he tells me. You did pretty good with your Jim. Your kid genes. is stone. Jim, your kid is stone hands. Ah, gets that from his mother. Gets that from her mother. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now don't get me wrong. Like I'm going to take my 11 year old and we're going to do, uh, you know, like kind of a, a fitness class, you know, they, they help players move better. Right. But they're not, they're, it's not sports specific. It's like, you know, they're going to work on footwork and they're going to work on jumping and they're going to work on, you know, different explosiveness and all specific or other sports. It's really tough to, to get scientific with players. And I think coaches like to do that because it makes them feel smarter. Yeah. Like, Oh, I just used a $20 word for a 12 year old and we put it on Twitter and, and look at me, like I'm a really smart person where that kid looks at you like, Oh, yeah. Can that's, I ask you a question, useful, by the way, something that, information. I, I, something that I agree and, and something that came to my mind. Um, what about teaching a kid uh, doing dr- certain drills like Ron Washington does with, with mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. his infielders, whatever, Yeah. Um, doing certain drills that teach kids, teaches kids get under that hop or teaches kids uh-huh. the proper footwork when charging. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you're, see, I'm left-handed, so it's a little different right. for me, but you know, you know, Charlie, right, left field, right, left throw. Uh-huh. If you're, you know, right hand, whatever yeah. um, teaching th- little things, breaking down increments, certain ways to do ways to be athletic and feel the ground balls. And then when, then you go hit ground balls mm-hmm. or you go in the cage you, and you tell the player, don't worry about any, any of the mechanics. Now let your body do the work and what the muscles, let the muscles do what they're going to do. And what we just tried mm-hmm. to teach there. Is that a good kind of a good approach as well? It, it, you just have to know the right age. Okay. You know, what when age? is that? When is that the right way? So we, I, I try that with, um, doesn't mean that it's right or wrong, but I tried that with a 10 year old mm-hmm. and it wasn't the right age yet. Okay. So, you know, I just started rolling balls and see how they would self-organize, you know, to catch a ball. Right. And some kids can do it. And then I would go back and say, okay, let's, you know, do this footwork and try this or, and they're like with cones, you know, put a cone here and I want you to come around the cone. And then it's like, 
they're thinking more about the cone than they are a ball, mm-hmm. right? So then you got to take the ball out and then they're just working footwork and you can do that. So every player, again, you have to treat differently. Um, some players might be ready for those things and some players might. Like the little short hop, you know, yeah. drill that he does all the time. Um, that's just athleticism. Yeah. Like you're fielding through the ball. That's, I think what happens is, you know, we tell players, you know, use two hands or, you know, make sure you're, you know, in this position. And, and what happens is that's all they think about. Right. And then all of a sudden that thought process, they don't move. Like they're thinking so much about where their hands are that here comes the ball and then they miss it. So you have to figure out what that player can, can use and absorb. If they're ready for that, then do it. But just making them athletic, like throwing them picks, playing pepper, playing pepper, yeah. fielding pepper, you know, is a great way just to kind of use your hands and feel, and then you can start kind of building in that, that proper footwork once they're not thinking about just catching a ball. You know, if they're 14, yes, you can totally do that. If they're 10, probably not. You know, and it's, on the hitting side, the, the important part is, you know, like all of my drills and, and, and a lot of the listeners are part of the online academy that I have. And so they've seen how basic my drills are and, and how I provide it to them. Like, I just want you to use this arm. And that's all we're thinking about is this arm, right? And creating field. And then we're thinking about just this top hand or we're thinking about two hits. Now we're just going to think about the legs. So I don't use super fancy words because of my audience. I'm not, I'm not teaching, um, you know, MDs or, uh, you know, doctorates phds how to hit that's, yeah. that's not my job i'm teaching you know a 12 year old or a 20 year old how to hit like they, they don't care about the the giant words so i'm going to make it very simple for them to understand and feel mm-hmm. and i think that's really the importance when you're teaching anything any sport is to not confuse your students yeah all right let's get into our main topic top 10 major league baseball offensive free agents i have a list here and this is all according to mlb.com people will see it on the uh, youtube side with the graphics so if you're not watching you should be but if you're not okay uh carlos correa Corey seager chris bryant trevor story marcus simeon javier baez freddie freeman starling Marte. don't know why he's on that list he's 33 but okay nick castellanos kyle schwarber don't know why schwarber's on that list either wouldn't have put him there uh other notables jd martinez michael conforto chris taylor i would actually put chris taylor at the top of that list but what do i know um again this is all according to MLB dot you would come on you would put a Chris Taylor he's he's actually we're breaking down his swing he's our top center fielder you're putting Marte on that list MLB.com ahead of Chris Taylor what are you on crack yeah I think it depends on your your deals right like I'm you know like Chris Bryant like you know a five or six year deal kind of be okay with that um a semi in a five or six year deal mm, right he's a little bit older maybe a four year deal I, I'd give four over four over 70 yeah that's 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 the ceiling I'm going with him. Um, yeah, you know, even Seager, Seager's what? Uh, well, that's his brother, I guess, thirty-four. Yeah. Um, how how old is Corey? Let me look it up. Yeah, Corey's twenty-seven. Let me, let, right? I'll, so. He's twenty-seven. Is that what he is? Yeah. Um, okay, so let me ask you this then. Um, yeah. So we we do have a different. We have a kind of a different list. We took Posey off that list because he retired. By the way, you're right, though. I want to give you props. You said that more and more players are going to start retiring at like around 34, 35. That's exactly what Posey did. Mm-hmm. And he's going to the Hall of Fame. So props to you. You're right again. Cassidy said it last week. You're, you're so smart. I agree. I agreed. <laughs> I brainwashed everyone. 
<laughs> um, let's look at the shortstop position because I'm a guy yeah. who I like up the middle. I, I think you should be secure up the middle. Catcher, starting pitching, shortstop, second base, center field. I'm up the middle, and then I'll figure the rest out. Andy Reid once said, give me, I think it was what, left tackle, quarterback, line ba- outside linebacker, defensive back, and I'll figure out the rest. And he certainly did. And that's the way I am with baseball. I'm a general manager, catcher, starting pitchers. Um Give me three horses on the mound, shortstop, second baseman, center fielder. I'll figure out the rest. So let's look at the shortstop position, arguably. The, Especially because the, the shortstop and the second baseman play on the same side of the field now most of the time. That's correct. That's also correct. So there you go. So that, that's why I put this second baseman. It's even baseman. more important. It's like two shortstops. I, that's why I put the second baseman as part up the middle as well. Um, now the shortstop position. So we have Correa Seager. Story, arguably Simeon, probably I wouldn't put him at short. Javier Baez, who can play second or short. Break, break, breaking down his swing next week. Joe Buck actually has made a great point during the World Series. Uh, him and John Smoltz are great, aren't they? Um, they really are. Um, he said that there's not going to be enough money for everybody. Now, that could very well be the case. So you have to pick. So I'm going to ask you, out of Correa, Seager, Story, Simeon, Baez, those shortstops slash second baseman guys up the middle, who has the most upside in that group offensively? Oh, uh, upside. I mean, I, I think they've shown a lot of upside already, you know, um, like, are they going to get better? How many of those guys are going to get better than their best season that they've already had? I'll tell you what I would do. I would take story and I would take someone else for the same price that you would pay Seager and uh, somebody like Baez. Um, I'm a yeah. big Trevor Story fan because he, at, people don't realize he absolutely flies. Like, he is so fast. He's a good shortstop. He's a great hitter, in my opinion. He was just stuck in a bad situation last year. I would definitely take Story. That would free up some money. So that I could, I'm still solid up the middle, but now all of a sudden I can spend somewhere else. So that's something that that I would do. Um, so you take you would take story, and let's say mm-hmm. what what position do you think? So you would take him for what though? Shortstop. I well, I understand that. What contract? Probably Owners. a five year deal. Five He's years. Young, isn't he? Five years. How much money? Huh. What if my general manager now all of a sudden? We are. We're playing on, I got to stay, stay in my lane here. He's 29. I'd probably give him a six-year deal. All right. Um, you know, $180 million maybe. Okay. And what maybe position? $170 million. Where would you want to yeah. sure, up, sure up next? In other words, what position would you want to give uh, a player money to, less money, to fortify your plan there? Paying. Right. I mean, I, I might go with Marte for a two-year deal. Who? A Marte. Okay. Marte for okay. like a, maybe a two-year deal, something like that. Okay. I would, um, if I if it did save, it's not to say that you know story is going to save money, but if I do save save some money, you know, then I don't know. You know, maybe now all of a sudden I can go after um, Chris Taylor. Yeah, you know, some somebody. Well, I don't know. Chris really Taylor is thirty-one. He might want like a five-year deal. Yeah, I don't think I would give him a five-year deal. No, I'd give him another. I'd, I'd tie him up till he's thirty-five. Right? I'd probably go. You know, with, I'd probably go after a pitcher like an Alex. Cobb. Maybe four years. Yeah, that's fair. Four years. That's fair. 
Yeah. Four years for him. Castellanos, um, he's a younger guy. You know, he's not going to be a 30, you know, maybe you can get him for a, a longer contract. I think he's kind of coming into his own. You know what you're going to get with him. He's just a bad defender. Yeah. Um, but he's, but he's, he's going to hit. Yeah. Like, he's a hitter, and he's got that mentality that he's going to, you know, he's, he's confident in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another guy you could tie up for, you know, maybe four or five years. And you hope he's, you know, you hope he, he stays injury free. There's just so many people that get hurt. Yeah. You know, that's, that's about, you know, Chris Bryant, like, you know, he has a tendency to get getting hurt. Baez, you know, sometimes gets hurt. Um, I don't know. Maybe I go and, and just sneak Nelson Cruz in for a one or two year deal as a DH to, you know, mm-hmm. to add some offense. All right, because the right. DH is probably DH, coming a quality to hitter in that age. spot. Just a one year deal. Yeah. One or yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd give more than one year, but you know, I don't know. But in terms of shortstops, that's that's probably where I would go with with is with Story, just okay. because I feel the other guys are going to get a little bit crazy. I think Baez, Baez is so. Um, I'm staying away. He's just he's a, breaking he's down a his magnetizing figure. You know, he can he can really if he's in a good spot, that team just absolutely thrives. Um, and then, you know, if he goes the other way, uh, we saw what happened, you know, unfortunately with the Mets last year. And that, yeah, that was just immature guys and, and whatever with the thumbs down stuff. But, yeah, you know, and, and it could go that way, too. You well, know? he strikes out um, too much for me. And he gets into when he gets into a prolonged slump, he is as unproductive yeah. as they come even when guys get into slumps i mean look at like correa seager mm-hmm. freeman if these guys get into slumps they still are somewhat productive they can still drive in runs sack fly etc yeah. etc et with Baez, it's too many swings and misses so yeah well maybe Baez anyway. just needs the right guy yeah he needs the jake epstein yeah. there you go just um to so calm you, it down he did so I, he did a much better job the second half of last season though Was um, it a fluke i don't know did somebody get you know and into him, but he was he was much better, and and I don't think it's always the swing and miss. I don't think some guys. I think some guys' swing plans are swing and miss. Mm. You know, they're just in and out of the zone too fast. Yeah, not about pitch selection. Everybody says, oh, he swings and misses a lot. He has bad pitch selection. It must be his giant leg kick. Um, yeah. Well, maybe he only has a contact zone that's this big, you know, and it needs to it needs to be fixed. It needs to be um, maybe not fixed, but tweaked. So I'm guessing that you would sign Trevor Story first, correct? I think so. I think he's probably the okay. most signable too. So, all right. So, out of my list here, Trevor Story, I'm just going to go with him because he's going to go to Texas anyway. You would try to sign him first. Um, is he the most he's mechanically? Dallas, is he mechanically sound out of all those hitters? The most mechanically yeah, he's sound. He's got good mechanics. What does he do well? Mm, he glides really well, so he mm-hmm. controls his stride extremely well mm-hmm. um, with his rhythm. He has like this perfect um weight shift that isn't isn't fast like he gathers slowly he's able to control his foot he glides it out he can drop it at any time depending on pitch speed doesn't mean that he's perfect but he has very good rhythm he has very good extension um typically if you can do those two things properly and you're short to the ball which most big leaguers are because they're in the big leagues you know they don't have any catastrophic issues right then that that player is going to have a good chance for success um, he's the guy that can elevate to the pull side. He doesn't roll over a lot of balls to the pull side. So he's going to have pull side power. Um, and like I said, he flies, man. You put him in a park where, you know, he's going to turn 
if the gap, like Colorado was a good park, right? Because he can hit a ball in the gap, even if it's not smoked, he's going to get a double on that. He's going to get a, he's going to hit triples in the right park because he's, you know, he hits the ball really hard. So, um, and I, I think he's a, he's a good teammate. Like he's a, I don't know. You don't have to worry about him. Yeah. I guess that's the hard part with Baez. It's like, you know, maybe deep down, you got to worry about what he's going to do, you know, on the field, off the field. You know, somebody like Trevor Story, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Not that boring is better, you know. By his personality, like I said, will gel a team. You know, if you get him in the right spot, man, holy holy cow, that guy's so passionate when he plays the game. So if you can keep him in a good spot, he's going to do more than somebody like Story, right? He's just going to kind of go out and, and do his job. You know, mm-hmm. Story's a very Colorado player. They, you know, not a lot of personality. On yeah, the boring. You know, boring. I don't know if that's just the guys they sign, if that's the way that the clubhouse is, but they're just, uh, you know, kind of kind of boring. So it's somebody that I wouldn't have to worry about. And honestly, I, I don't think Story's going to a big market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Um, he, I don't think he's going to a New York market. Maybe he right. will, but I do see him um, in, in Texas. He's from Texas. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of his mentality. The, the Rangers are starting to spend a little money here. Um, so I kind of see that fit there. Yeah. Um, we see analytical decisions, um, and analytics departments having more and more say and pull in who gets signed free agent wise. And Mm -hmm. it's because of the things that their predictors and their numbers and their figures. So on the hitting side of things, uh, I want to ask you this, if you are in the position to sign players and that's your offense is your background, it's like a coach in football they all they all look now these owners for successful offensive coordinators that's the way the game has gone at least up to this point um but from so put yourself in that position you're a gm a general manager whatever vice president baseball operations and your strength is offense how much would you look at their mechanics in that and how much would that play in the decision to try and sign them mechanics at the big league level Mm mm-hmm like I don't know, not, looking at a swing a, plane issue or looking at yeah, you know whatever. Plane, you know that that to me that's different than mechanics, even mm-hmm. though maybe it's the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, what, then let me reword it. Let reword yeah. the question. What would you be looking for that would eliminate that player from you? So saying, let me you give know, you an I'm example. Try to sign him. Um, Baez, mm-hmm. which we'll look at his mechanics. He has very good mechanics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Glaber Torres. Also has very good mechanics. Mm-hmm. Both of them don't have great swing planes. Yeah. Okay. So even though their body moves right and their hands are in the right spot and their elbows are in the right spot, they're not on plane for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I could look at somebody like that. I mean, if they would listen, like I would love to have the entire season with Glaber Torres. Like yeah. I could make that guy hit 30 points higher because he has the intangibles to do it. He has the moves to do it. He doesn't have the approach right now to do it. Um, I remember when he first came up, I thought he had the approach and his swing plane was much different than it is now. Um, so yes, I would definitely look at, you know, what they've done and, and, and what they've done it with, with their swing and their timing. So, um, I would look at that, but I also wouldn't, you know, I would look for upside. Like if I was getting a bargain, you know, if I could get a bargain with a player, What's the upside? What adjustments could we make to that player? I mean, maybe what was that thing with Noah Syndergaard, right? All of a sudden the angels flew out. They met with his 
They met One with him deal. in New York. Yeah, what, I mean, just snaked him right out under the Mets' nose, right? And again, he hasn't pitched very much, and he's been hurt, and he could go either way. He could be phenomenal next year, or, you know, he could not be. We don't know. But they presented information. Here's what our staff can help you with, right? We feel that if you did this, and I don't know anything about pitching, but if you're, you know, if we could get your arm in this position or if we could get your finger in this position so that your spin was different, you'd have more control or you'd have more movement or you'd have a higher spin or whatever it is, they presented something that made him feel like he could be better. And I think you can do the same thing from the offensive side as, hey, this is what you do. We think that we can provide this and make you even better than you are. Um, and I think that's where you can get bargains. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sell that to Justin Verlander. Okay. You're not going to tell that to Max Scherzer. But you might be able to tell that to a guy who is going to be taking a discount because he's coming off of a rough year or two years. The the tough part with me and and Simeon is I don't know where he's going to be. Yeah. Like this was a, this was a unicorn kind of year he had. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's typically been a 255 to 265 hitter, 270 hitter. He hits anywhere from 15 to 30 home runs. And then all of a sudden he does this. Yeah. Wow. Like I don't, was he in a great lineup and he was protected? Mm-hmm. Correct. Is he just coming into his own? Is he a late bloomer? Maybe. Maybe he goes out and hits 30 to 40 home runs every year now. Maybe he was healthier this year. Maybe he felt good. Maybe he loves Canada. Big fan of the Toonie. Whatever it is, like, I, you know, and, and so that's a riskier move for me with Simeon. And Simeon might be Simeon, two, 31. How old is he? Uh, let me look it up. I thought um, I had it written down. No, I think he was 31 last offseason. I'll find it. Yeah, he's, he's a little over 31, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to give him, a, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Simeon fan. So, you know, yeah. he's a Burton Cal guy. He's a bright guy and he works hard and, you know, he stays in his lane. He's 31. Um, but, you know, what are you going to three year, three year, four year deal? Yeah. Maybe you overpay for a two year deal or you stretch it out and save a few bucks. I don't know. What I don't know is what he's like defensively. I really haven't seen him play defensively. I still, I still think he can play defensively. Yeah. At short. Mm, either for I, I say for two years if you give him a four year deal four over eight yeah uh i like your idea of stretching but i don't know if you would go mm-hmm. for that but i it's a i like that idea i would try that first but mm-hmm. let's say it doesn't work four over 80 first two years at short or second next two years move him to the third or first where did he play at toronto last year he played second Okay. And actually, he moved around. Too? He played. He, no, no. He, he reminds me of like an Ian Desmond. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. He moved around second base, third base, because you mentioned it earlier in the show about how players now with shifting, they move to yeah. certain parts of the infield where they may be playing at the second base position ultimately. So they better be pretty athletic. See, that's why I like my up the middle theory, right? Get guys up yeah. the middle. Now you can move them around. And Simeon's a perfect candidate for that. Um, yeah. So I, again, two years at short or second. Slash and then move them, of course, to third or first, move them around a little bit, DH, et cetera, et cetera, because there's DH is yeah. going to be in two leagues, I would imagine. Um, really quick, let's wrap up the yeah. topic here because we do have one more listener question. Uh, what are you, uh, this is kind of a broad question, what are you looking for offensively in a guy um, if you see them as a potential fit for your team when signing them as a free agent? Mm-hmm. Uh, run production. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, it depends what I'm looking for, but you know, I, I I don't care what happens as long as they drive at lunch. Yeah. You know, if they can, if, uh, what did I, Juan Soto hit 396 last year with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. I'd empty my checkbook for that guy. Yeah. Right. He's dry. He's driving in runs. He's driving in runs when guys are on base and pressure situations. So, um, you know, I'm not just looking at, oh, this guy hit 40 home runs and drove in a hundred. Okay. When did he hit those home runs? You know, were they late in the game? Were they early in the game? Were they in blowouts? Were they in close games? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of home runs. There's a lot of RBIs that come when it doesn't matter. Um, I want guys that thrive on that, that pressure that, that, I mean, you can see it. And so you saw when he first came up, man, he was so, I mean, borderline cocky in the box, you know, taking pitches. He yeah. just wanted to drive in that run. So um, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at guys that can, um, you know, have have confidence with two strikes. Um, like you're going to have two strikes on you, and I, and I don't want to just give stuff away with two strikes. So guys that can control the bat a little bit. Uh, but really it's about driving and runs. You know, can we hit balls in the gap to right center or the opposite field? Or can we hit it to the pull side? Um and do we do we thrive in in uh, pressure situations? That's what I want. Runs win, runs win, and saving runs wins. So I want guys that can play some defense too, for sure. So you I like want to give away runs. You like that defensive run save statistic? I do. All right, let's the get thing. to our uh, let's get to our listener questions sent to us via Jimbo Podcast twenty one at gmail Our second one of the day. It's from Tom from Northern Virginia. I, uh, I lived in Northern Virginia for a brief time, nice. as, well like as, Mar- as well as Maryland, the D.C. area. So it's great to hear from Tom from Northern Virginia, a listener from that area. Uh, Tom, I wonder what part of Northern Virginia are you from? I have my certain towns that I like, but nevertheless, feel free to write in, Tom, again. Um, here is uh, Tom's question. He writes, hi, Jim. Uh, fall ball is over and winter is almost here. What are your offseason recommendations for younger Little League aged hitters? Assuming that your athlete is not burned out mentally. And wants to work on hitting. Do you think time off is necessary physically? What about for players that are playing a winter sport like basketball? Should they continue to devote some time each week to hitting for a main, from a maintenance standpoint? That's a great question. Two great questions today from our listeners. And that's from mm-hmm. Tom from Northern. Really Virginia. good question. Yeah. So Tom, thank you for the question. Go ahead. Yeah. So first of all, play your other sports mm-hmm. for sure. Play basketball. Yeah play flag football, you know, like get out, run around, be an athlete. I love that. Um, depending on your kid's swing and mechanics, mm-hmm. I would, you know, take, take your month off or whatever yeah. and, and then work on it. You know, that's, this is the, this is my favorite time with, in fact, I have to go through all my online players today because a lot of people sent in swings mm-hmm. last night, but this is, this is the time to work on your, deficiencies you know if you have a rhythm deficiency if your stride is not good this is the time to do it you can do it for seven or eight minutes every other day like it takes hardly any time at all from december everybody takes december off i love december right i I love this time here it's always slow then everyone's like oh crap we got to get going winter training january 1st um but you know use use next month as 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 your starting point if you have a bottom hand issue, if you have a top hand issue, if you have a swing plate issue, if you have an extension issue, all these, all these small things we can figure out, you know, you send, send in a video and, 
you know, and you might already be a member. I don't remember the last name you put in there, but you know, I'll, I'll say, okay, this is the most important thing we need to work on right now. Do these drills, send me a video doing the drills so I can make sure you're doing them right. You're not doing them right. Okay. So on Wednesday, send me a video and make these adjustments, build that in this time of year. Mm-hmm. That way, once, you know, March comes around, you yeah. got your timing, you know, you have a, you have a new rhythm, you have a controlled rhythm. We don't have to change anything. Okay, big leaguers don't wait till spring training to make adjustments. Okay, big leaguers are making adjustments starting January 1st. So that by the time mid-March rolls around, like they're ready to go for spring training. And that's the same as young kids. I always make this um, this statement in Texas. Colorado is like a much better area to work on, on, on mechanics in the winter because the weather is cold and the fields are you know, brown. You know, sometimes there's snow on them, right? You're not going out. You're not playing games. You're not playing tournaments. You're practicing. You're working on something. Well, in Texas, the weather's good. You can go out and play a game or a scrimmage or have a full practice, but you're not really working on anything to get better. You're just getting reps. And sometimes use your, you know, Northern Virginia is kind of a mild temperature, but they shut down, right? You're going to, it's going to get cold. It might snow and shut down the entire area for like six months. You know, that dusting, that one dusting you guys get. But use this time of year to fix whatever needs to be fixed, rhythm or timing or some kind of mechanical move. Absolutely. So don't go balls to the wall is what we're trying to say, right? No, don't go crazy. Just figure yeah. out what you – and like I said, it's um, a, maybe an hour. Can you dedicate an hour a week? Mm-hmm. Can you dedicate 10 minutes every other day, you know, or every day or five days a week? It'll probably be more like 15 minutes, but – can you dedicate that time in your basement or your garage or out front? Absolutely. You can. Okay. It's really, really important to do it too. All right. Well, Tom, great question. Thank you very much. Again, you can send us all your questions, Jimbo podcast, 21 at gmail.com next week, Javier Baez. We are discussing his swing, breaking it down mechanical breakdown series. It is the second volume of our um, major league baseball Um free agent period here, uh, 2021 into 2022. The reason we're doing bias is kind of a utility guy up the middle utility guy, if you will. And we don't really have any catchers. Buster Posey retired. We don't really have any catchers that stand out. And you mentioned that, uh, when we talked off air, how catchers are a little bit stiff and, there's just nobody really that sticks out offensively that we can really break down. That's going to be a huge, huge impact type type player. A lot of the guys that are on that list are sort of backup catchers which I would sign Roberto Perez. Somebody should, because mm-hmm. he's a good backup guy, good yeah, insurance no, guy, I mean, but, we have, but we have, we're going to be uh, doing bias next week. Yeah, we got we have too many really good infielders that are yeah. offensive mm-hmm. and, and outfielders that are offensive that mm-hmm. uh, I think we spend our time on those hitters because they're really good. We can learn from them. So that is next week. By the way, um, before I ask you what's coming up at the lab, I just want to mention to you that last week, Cassidy Shomo did as good a lab promo as... Ever, that's ever been done on this show ever in two years that we've been doing the show. She did a great pro. And I said, I said, if F doesn't step up his game, we might just have to splice in your lab promo. Let's put it in. Yeah. For- no, she's there. She'll be there again. After the first of the year, I have some college players coming out to train, get ready for the. So what is, so is what is coming up at the lab or if anything, what, what does the lab provide? <laughs> what do we provide? Greatness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we provide like, my instructors are so good down there. They really are. I mean, you're, our group training has like, you're getting four individual instructors, three to four individual instructors that have professional experience. Like you can't get that anywhere. Um, 
specialize, you know, some guys are mechanical based, upper body, um, rhythm and timing, mental aspects. So that's what we do every single week there is getting players game ready, mm -hmm. right? We're getting them game. We're not just taking swings. We're not just hitting off a tee. We're, we're working on different things. We're working on situations. Um, you know, like I said, runs, that's a big thing for me, like scoring runs. Can you be a guy that can get in there and score a run? Hey, man, run around third, one out, infields back, hit a ground ball to second base. Like, that's okay. You know what's not okay? Strike it out in that situation. Yeah. You know, put a ball in play early in the count, boom, team's up one nothing, mm -hmm. right, in the first inning. That's a great way to start a game. So we talk about all the different situations that, you know what, that's what college coaches want to see. That's mm -hmm. how you have to play in college. That's what big league coaches want to see, too, even though a lot of people don't do it. They want to see that person cross home plate. Okay. And um, we train, we train players that way without getting in their way of crazy mechanics. And then of course, you know, individual lessons, right? Like really, you know, diving into stuff too, but um, you know, just a great place to get better. That's why we built it, right? We're trying to make the community college station area better as a baseball and softball community. That's our goal. Sounds a great promo. Okay. One of the, one of the best you've ever done. That's back-to-back -back weeks oh, that we've had great Jobo, promos. Put me on the put me on the spot. Labbcs.com. Next week, Javier Baez emails your questions. Jimbo Podcast Twenty One. I got to go work out. Ep has some family stuff to do, and we will talk to you all next week. So long. See you later. Sayonara.